This morning's reading is from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. It can be found on page 850 of the Church Bible, in the bulletins, on the screen, in your own Bible. Some of you may have memorized it. (laughs) Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. As a, we say now, they call them in the old days an air hostess, that's a bit, little un-PC, I think she's was a member of a cabin crew uh, for Saudi Airlines and her route was from Riyadh to London. And one time, her mother, my auntie, Jean, flew from Wollongong, where she lived near us, to London to meet Kathy off the plane, and the plan was to spend some days shopping in London together, mother-daughter. The morning the plane was due to arrive, Jean, in her hotel room, got a phone call from a friend, who said, Jean, I've just heard the news, and the news said that a Saudi Arabian airliner, en route from Riyadh to London, has blown up midair. And I knew Kathy was flying today, and I just wondered, well, you can imagine, <laughs> head shakes, your heart. And she rang up, and sure enough, Kathy's plane had blown up midair. I remember this, of course, remember this vividly. Um, my Auntie Jean, who passed away a year ago, uh, was not religious or Christian. In fact, you'd call her deeply cynical about Christians. At one point, Kathy made a profession of faith, and under Jean's constant ridicule, she gave it up. But facing the likely death of her daughter, you know what she did, don't you? She prayed that God might spare her daughter. Jean made some inquiries, and it turned out that the day before, another crew member had said to Kathy, Kathy, I need to get to London urgently. Can we switch shifts? And she took Kathy's place on that flight. Uh, Jean told me this. What happened next? Jean uh, walked the streets of London. It's midweek to find a church. She found a Catholic church. She went inside. She wouldn't tell me what happened. uh, But I think in some sense she thanked God and left that church. And for the next 40 years, I think, or 30 years, didn't give God another moment's thought. I I just find this an amazing story. Uh, Paul says in Romans 1 about humanity, although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give him thanks. That's Jean. She, she showed she knew God, not in a personal relationship sense, but she knew he was there, he was powerful, he would, the God who hears and answers prayer, he was loving, she knew that, she learned that I guess in Sunday school, she, she knew that. But the fact 
I think once in her life, and she died a wealthy woman. They had a house at Bondi Beach, they had a house, a ranch in Montana, had good health, had greatly blessed by God. To my knowledge, once in 75 years, said thank you. I, I just think it's outrageous. Uh, the great Russian writer Dostoevsky said this about humanity. If he is not stupid, he is monstrously ungrateful. Phenomenally ungrateful. I think the best definition of mankind is the ungrateful biped. I think he's right. And I think what it should be one of the great distinctives of the Christian as Woofle reminded us or didn't or, is that we are thankful. We are thankful people. So this morning, very simply, as disciples, a reminder to us all of an essential quality of being a disciple is we are thankful people. From this marvellous story uh, tucked away in Luke 17, we see the Lord's on a journey. Now, do you, do you know the, 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 the Palestine geography? Do you get that up up north is uh, Galilee, Samaria, Judea. If, if you, it's, look, it's a bit like Eastern Australia. Okay? Up north is Galilee. That's Queensland. Let's be frank. It's a backwater. Let's be honest. Really, really, they're, 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 they're lovely. They're lovely. And if you speak slowly, they, they can understand you. Really. But they're, they're very nice. That's, that's, that's Galilee. Okay? Down south is Judea, Jerusalem. That's Melbourne. That's, that's Victoria, the holy city, where we all, we, we, we all go. And in the middle of one state they both despise, that's New South Wales, that's, that's Samaria. Okay, so, so our, Lord, our Lord is moving from, Gal- from Galilee down to Judea on a border town somewhere between Judea and Samaria. And he enters the village there. And he meets these ten lepers, this, this cold vast. He's, he's met before a leper, but not ten of them. And I think they've heard about Jesus. They have about his power to heal. And more than that, that he will heal. He'll do it if you ask him. And we're told that they called out from a distance. Because, of course, leprosy was, as you know, a social disease, not just physical. It was terrible. It still is. It was a, it, it was a living death. It really was. I mean, if you, if, today, if you go to, go to the doctor and have blood tests... The one thing you fear when you go back is, I'm sorry, you have the big C. Well, back then, I'm sorry, Reuben, you have the big L. And just imagine, I mean, you'll never again kiss your wife. You'll never again hug your kids. You'll never see your kids. You won't be there for their birthdays, their weddings, the birth of the, the grandchild. You won't be there. You won't be there for Passover, never have a drink with your neighbor, no more parties, nothing. Your life has, to all intents and purposes, ended. It's a living death. It's a dreadful disease. So from a distance, they call out to him to heal them. And I think what happens next is striking. Normally what he does, Jesus, is he comes up to the leper and touches the leper and says, be healed. But he doesn't. He doesn't go near them. He just says, go show yourself to the priest. That is, you've heard of my power to heal and my compassion. Do you believe that? 
just take me at my word and go. And that would take some faith, I think. And they go. They just believe. There's no sign. If you met them on the way and you said, where are you going? Oh, we're going to the priest to show ourselves, show we've been cleaned. You say, I'm sorry, guys. Someone's played a cruel joke on you or you've been out in the sun too long. Just look at your sores. Nothing's changed. But those amazing words, and as they went, they were healed. They were made clean. It's a very dramatic story. But here's the thing. They go on their way. Ten men experience the goodness and grace and power of God. Ten men. Ten men see they're healed. Only one perceives it. There's one thing to, to receive a blessing from God, but to understand the implications, like, like Jean, my auntie, she saw what God had done for her. It made no impact at all. She never perceived. The other great Russian writer is Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who nearly died of cancer. He was in a cancer ward. He was sent home, he was sent home to die. They could do nothing for him. He wrote this, I did not die with a hopelessly neglected and acutely malignant tumour, this was a divine miracle. I could see no other explanation. And he knew from that point on, his life couldn't be the same. He saw and perceived. Ten saw, one perceived. Ten were happy they were healed, one was grateful. And he turned back to Jesus. And he was a... He worked in Pakistan, as you know, yesterday. When I went there, I did language study uh, from a Christian language teacher, which included both the culture and, and the language. And one day in class, the topic came up of Muslim converts. And he said to me, and I was to hear this again and again from Christians, oh, Michael, he said... There's no such thing as a Muslim convert. I said, what? He said, no, no. A Muslim cannot become a Christian. Well, what about Qureshian? What about Rashid? Oh, no, no, no. They're all liars. They're all charlatans. All they want is our, our daughters, our land, our money. A Muslim cannot become a Christian. There is no such thing as a convert. Uh, Christians are about 1.5% of the population in Pakistan and they're oppressed by the Muslims, they're despised by them they're unclean and they hate each other they hate each other but the one thing the Christian has the Muslim doesn't have is salvation in heaven and for many the thought that a Muslim might be saved is more than they can stomach like we heard yesterday when grace sticks in your throat I read a book a while ago by a Korean girl who became a Christian. And she said the hardest thing she found in becoming a Christian was having to love Japanese people. If you know what they did, the Japanese in the war, it said that they, they, they took 150,000 Korean women and girls as sex slaves and raped them repeatedly. You, you meet Chinese and Japanese people and, and, and Korean people who still today, I've heard it again and again, still hate the Japanese. 
Can't forgive them. I, I don't get that. I'm, you know, I, I just don't get that. I've never known that ethnic hatred. That's why you see the twist of this story eludes me. It doesn't, doesn't affect me. You know, ten men were healed. One went back and was faithful, and that one was a... Like I say in Pakistan to my Christian friends, and that one was a Muslim. What say in Korea, and that one was a member of the Japanese Imperial Army. That one was a Samaritan. It's a stunning, well, that's, that's loose gospel, isn't it? You saw yesterday, two boys in a house. The good boy and the bad boy. Who's there with father in the end? The bad boy. There's a rich man and Lazarus. Who's in heaven? The beggar. Who's in hell? The rich man. Two men go to a temple to pray. The good man, the bad man. Who's justified? The bad man. Ten people are healed. Who's thankful? Who does the right thing? The unclean Samaritan. Not the covenant-keeping Jew. The psalmist writes, You have turned my mourning into dancing. You've taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Ten men had their mourning turned into dancing. Ten men had their sackcloth of disease and ostracism and sorrow and grief taken off and were clothed with joy and nine were silent and one gave thanks to him forever. The Samaritan. So Lord asked the obvious question, weren't ten cleansed? Were the other nine? Is the only one to come back this, we'd say today, I guess, this ethnic This foreigner, go, he says. Your faith has literally, your faith has saved you. Ten men were healed, one was saved. Ten men received an earthly blessing, one received a heavenly one. And he showed it by being thankful. Some years ago, a friend of mine was evangelizing a woman who wasn't a Christian. Uh, and my friend was quite blunt. He said to her, God says you're a sinner. He said to her, God says you're an evil person. <laughs> I'm not, she said. <laughs> How dare you? I'm not evil. I'm a good person. That's very offensive. And the woman was about to have her first child. And the man said, I see you're having a baby. Yes, we're very excited, our first, our first child. Well, he said, imagine, imagine it's a boy. He's a boy. And from the moment he's born, he doesn't even look at you. Never gives you an adoring glance, never kisses you, never hugs you. Learns to walk and to talk and ne- never says, I love you. Never calls you mummy. You give this child everything, Everything. He never once says thank you. Now, he's not a bad boy. He keeps his room clean, does his homework, he's, he's popular at school. But you as much as don't even exist. And as soon as he can, he leaves home. What would you call such a boy? 
Moshe said, well, such a boy would be a monster. Well, he said, when was the last time you said to God, I love you? When did you last call him father? To the God who's given you everything, when did you last say thank you? And she said, I've never done that. Well then, he said, what does that make you? Monstrously ungrateful. I came this morning about 8.30 here and just looked around. I said to Cameron, what? This is gorgeous, isn't it? A little chilly, but gorgeous. You just live in a lovely part, the second best part of the country. You, just live, you live in a lovely part of the world, don't you? And you wake up in the hills, you're breathing clean air, drink clean water. We went to Foodland on, on Friday. Foodland. Oh, I could spend the day in Foodland. <laughs> he said, oh, check, out, yeah, check out the cheeses, said Cameron. Check out the cheese. I love cheese. I'm, oh, wonderful. The cheeses. And you, you walk down the cereal aisle and you go, oh, the, the yogurt aisle. And this, it's breathtaking. Isn't this amazing? The amount of food. Fantastic. Oh, you drive into the city. Uh, in Melbourne, it'll take you two and a half days to get there. Here, it takes you, it takes you half an hour. It takes you, take your grandparents and their horse and buggy hours. You're there in half an hour. You go there, you have a machine, you press the button and pause out the information. It's an envy of an Einstein. It's yours in a second. Or you Google your daughter in America. Or you, on Skype. I mean, Skype blows my mind. I think of it a Star Trek movie. Yeah. <laughs> Beam me down, Sarah. Two years ago, my daughter, Pippa, was, in a, was driving in a, the winter in, in Ohio. And a car hit black ice and, and rolled over. Praise God, she survived. In the ambulance, I'm, I'm in Melbourne, in my living room. In the ambulance, she's Skyping me. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking... Face to face to Pippa in the ambulance. I, mean, just, I tell my kids, I was in Pakistan, we used to write letters. They'd look at me like, huh? I said, well, yeah, you, you'd, write, you'd write a letter, put it in an envelope, whack on a stamp, walk down to the post office, mail your letter. Yeah, a month and a half later it arrives in, 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 in Australia. You wait, you get a reply. They'd look at me like, what? kind of century do you live in? The other day, Lauren, this is true, said to me, Dad, where did you write the address on the envelope? She just said, <laughs> I mean, we live in a... I'll go home tomorrow to, to, to Melbourne. You won't believe this. You won't. Do you know how I'll get there? I am going to fly. I will sit in a chair... How many feet up? 30,000 feet up? I'll fly in a chair at 1,000 k's an hour. Can you believe? Oh, isn't that amazing? It is. It's amazing. It's all, all of God. All of God. We go to bed at night with our lecky blanket on just to maximize our warmth. And most people in the hills pray the prayer of Homer Simpson. Dear God, 
We paid for all this ourselves, so thanks for nothing. It's true. The hills are towns of monsters. Adelaide isn't the city of churches. It's the city of monsters. As is Melbourne. So ungrateful. So ungrateful. We're so blessed. And let me say, we, more than any, are grateful. When I taught, I used to run a Bible college in Melbourne. And one of the highlights was my last year there, one of my staff, a guy called Steve. Steve, we didn't pay Steve much, a low salary. Wife, two kids on a mortgage, wife at home with the kids. And a car that had done 450,000 kilometres. The car broke down. A seat to the car to a mechanic and the guy said, Steve, uh, I can fix the car. It'll cost you a thousand bucks, but no guarantees. I mean, in a month, this is a very old car. It could clap out again, but cost a thousand bucks. Steve had to have a car to get to work. Steve didn't have a thousand dollars. So he came to me, his boss. said, Mike... I need my car fixed to get to work. Can the college give me a loan of $1,000? Well, dear me, your loans get, get messy, don't they? If Steve can't pay or Steve leaves, what do I do? But then I thought, well, Steve isn't just my employee. He's my brother in Christ. Can't we do something? So I sent an email around the staff and faculty. I just said, Steve needs money to have a car repaired. If you want to contribute, just put money at the front desk by Friday whatever's there I'll give Steve I called Steve in on Friday I said Steve I've got some bad news and some good news the bad news is I can't give you a loan the good news is I can give you a car here's $9,000 I kept Steve's email Words aren't enough to express how I feel. Blessed and humble by what you have done. And I pray earnestly that the Lord will bless you a hundredfold for the sacrifice you've made to provide this gift for us. All I can say is thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And I saw the tears in his eyes. Now imagine it wasn't his car. Imagine it was his house. And the bank said, Steve, 200000 by Friday or we repossess your house. And he came for a loan. And I said, Steve, I've got some bad news and some good news. I can't give you a loan. But I can pay off your house. Imagine that email. Or imagine it wasn't his house. Imagine it was his kidney. I said, Steve, I can't pay for a kidney, but I do have two. Take one of mine. Imagine that email. Or imagine, and this is far-fetched, of course, but... 
Imagine it was his heart. I said, Steve, I'm an old bloke now, but it's in, it's in good working order. Take mine. Imagine that email. You see, that leper had no idea why Jesus was going to Jerusalem. No idea. He's going there, as we all know, to make him clean inside and out. Not just to say, go show yourself, but to hang on a cross and give his heart and his life that he could live forever. The people out there don't know that. But we do, don't we? We do. We know how much he loved us. So we, of all people, are the world's most thankful. I mentioned yesterday, I've, been, I've just finished a book that's been published on singing with Rob Smith. And as you may know, many of our great hymns were written out of times of great suffering and pain and sorrow. Like one hymn that I love, and you'll know it, you older folk in particular will know it, by a man called Martin Rinkart, who was a pastor in Germany in the 17th century. His whole pastor was spent during the Thirty Years' War. And armies came through his town, the town of Eilenburg in Germany, again and again, bringing, just ravaging the town and taking food. And in 1637, the Black Plague hit Europe. In this town were five pastors. He buried two. Two fled. He was left alone. In one year, he buried people at the rate of 50 a day. He buried people that year... 4,480 people he buried in a year. I don't know how many people you bury in a year, Cameron. Not near, not that. A couple? 50 a day. Men, women, children. I just can't conceive of the grief. And when you aren't burying people, there's a war all around you like Afghanistan. Just, that's, that's his whole ministry. But you know, Rinkart, for him he wrote. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom this world rejoices who from a mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. Isn't that stunning? In that century, in that year, and you're singing how from my birth he's been so good to me. And I just figure if he can sing that in Eilenburg in 1637, how much more are we in the Adelaide Hills? In 2017, who are so blessed, who are so blessed. So I, I, I don't know your life situation, and I'm, I'm sure for some of you right now, things are pretty tough. But today, this weekend, as I said yesterday, just, just stop for a moment and think and reflect of how, how good God is to us in all he's given us 
especially Jesus. Saint Augustine called the believer a hallelujah from head to foot. A hallelujah from head to foot. So beloved, let's be thankful. You've turned my mourning into dancing. You've taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that I may not be silent but praise you forever. Amen. Let me give thanks. Father, we could, uh, if you put time aside now to be thankful, we could sing your praises all the day. Thank you so much. Just for the, the place in which we live, the amazing abundance you've showered upon us, that we live in a land of peace, a land of good government, a land relatively free from disasters, for family and friends who love us, for a church that preaches Jesus, for him who loved us and gave himself for us, for our adoption as your sons and daughters, for the empowering Holy Spirit, for the amazing hope of eternal life for the wonderful forgiveness that makes us clean every day. So thank you so much, Father. And again, we are so sorry for when we mumble and grumble and complain and forget all your benefits. Oh, Father, help us, we pray, to count our many blessings, to name them one by one, that we might be daily surprised at all you've done for us. So we say together, as your people today, Thank you, Jesus. Amen.